Hi, and welcome to the Small Business MBA. My name is Yasmin Ali. Today we're looking at the topic of handling objections and closing the deal. Let's think about that moment. We've all been there if we've ever tried to sell anything to anyone. We've made our sales pitch, we've done our homework, we know that we're solving the client's pain, and we're confident that we can add genuine value to this client. They've listened to us attentively, sometimes over countless cups of coffee, which we've of course paid for. Then the moment comes where we expect them to say, the deal's yours, but instead they say something else or ask us a question. Now at that moment, often we become deflated and we doubt our own sales pitch and even our product sometimes. But this is very common and handling these situations is simply a part of being a skilled salesperson. These are called objections and everyone experiences them. According to Christine Harvey in the book Successful Selling, an objection is nothing more than a minor obstacle and often it can be turned into our advantage. When we handle objections, whether in selling or in everyday life, we're dealing with human factors, with people's need to be heard and to be recognized for their opinions, fears, doubts and misunderstandings. Generally, we can classify objections into five categories. The first is price. Now, if you own a business, you've definitely heard this one, either in the form of, I don't have a budget for this, or I was expecting a much lower price tag, or the dreaded, how can a small business charge so much? Apart from the fact that we're often taught to bargain, the underlying belief is that the prospect simply does not see the return on investment. When a prospect brings a budget as an objection, the underlying story is about the value or return on investment they expect to receive from your product or service. Almost anyone will be able to find the budget for something they truly value. It's your job to position your product or service in the can't do without it category. The second objection is timing. If your prospect is telling you to call back in six months or that there are other projects that are more pressing at the moment, their underlying belief is simply that Fixing this isn't urgent. If a buyer hesitates or asks you to call back later, he or she likely doesn't feel the urgency to move towards your solution. While sometimes it may be worth your while to simply contact them at a later date, you may also want to reroute this objection by asking about current priorities and using case studies to illustrate the value of your offering with regards to the current priorities. The next objection comes to credibility. I've never heard of you, or how do I know that you can handle and order this big? Speaks to the fact that many companies and individuals have been burned by using smaller businesses. Especially when you're selling to a corporate market. Remember that the person who you're trying to convince has their job on the line and that the negative consequences for them making a mistake may be severe. Show how your product or service has helped a company like theirs and emphasize the value of working with a smaller, more focused partner. Genuine, contactable references help a lot in situations like these and adding guarantees may also go a long way towards allaying their fears. One of the most difficult objections to overcome is that the prospect simply does not see a need for your product or is not experiencing a current pain. They're happy with their current provider or do not see a need to change the status quo. The company may be going along and there simply is no need to rock the boat. Again, remember that the person that you're trying to sell to may have a lot to lose. If they're comfortable, their need for change may not be high.
It's your job to ask probing questions to uncover a pain point that needs attention and to simply leave a strong impression so that when an opportunity does arise for you to solve a pain that they do recognize, you're high on their list of people to call. The final objection is, it's not my call. Here's the problem. Often buying does not take place from one single center. Even in households, on bigger ticket items, the buyer may need to consult others in order to get buying for the purchase. If this is the case and the client is genuinely at the point of buying, they will not mind recommending you or your product and ensuring that you speak to all the right people. However, often the problem is that they simply are not comfortable with referring you. If this objection crops up, you want to instill confidence in your prospect to introduce you to the right people who are the decision makers. Once you've handled all objections, it becomes easy to close because at this point, you simply have to ask for the business. Now, I know that a lot of places will teach you about closing techniques, but there's one commonality among all the techniques. You need to propose the deal and ensure that everyone understands the terms of the deal. We'll deal with the fine print and technicalities in a legal episode at a future date. But for now, understand that a sale is not closed until the deal is signed. Often small businesses are kept in what I refer to as the loop of uncertainty, where they feel like they've handled all objections but are asked to present to different people or change something in the deal until they question whether they're simply being kept on a line. It's perfectly within your rights to ask the buyer to sign an agreement in principle while you work out the details. If your client is willing to do this, you know that you've closed and you're not handling any more objections. After the break, I talk to an entrepreneur who specializes in online marketing about selling in person. Welcome back to Small Business MBA. I'm now joined by Yore from Fast Forward Marketing to talk to us about his experiences handling objections and closing. Yore, welcome. Hi, thank you. Yes. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. What is Fast Forward Marketing? So we're a specialist online marketing agency and we mm -hmm. specialize in SEO. Um, in short, that stands for Search Engine Optimization. Okay. And what it really means is we assist clients to rank their website on the first page of Google okay. and other search engines. Okay, so you know, <coughs> I see it all over the place. You know, become an SEO expert. <laughs> you know, take this online course, and yeah. you know, and 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 I hear a lot of people talking about how they have optimized their own websites. You know, sure. so how do you convince a client that they should be paying you to do this for them? Well, it, it, it's a very good question because in my world, um, everyone seems to be an expert <laughs> and. Um, and the clients that actually come to us obviously have experienced some issues um, having another expert agency doing the work. And uh, when they come to us, basically, um, we get painted with the same brush, unfortunately. Yeah. So when we try and persuade them that we're the best, uh, we follow twofold. One is we basically um, show them a whole lot of case studies of some okay. of the proper clients that we have okay. to building the credibility. Plus, because we're doing this for quite a long time, <coughs> we also showcase some of our corporate clients, who we are, some testimonials. Um, and I think that's basically wins it for us. Okay, so, so the biggest issue that most businesses face, especially when selling to a corporate audience, mm -hmm. is, especially for small businesses, 
that's too expensive. Okay, so <laughs> how do you overcome the question of of of, of price or yeah. the objection of price yeah. with your clients? Well, well, when when a client actually has to use objection of price, it's either he really doesn't have the money and he really wants to use our our, our services. Um, if that's the case, then it's a matter of merely uh, negotiating on price. But if the objection was, <coughs> look, I, I can't see the value of the ROI, mm. then we kind of build in the value. So for example, if we're charging um, X amount for targeting 20 keywords, we would now for the same amount target 30 keywords okay. and we try and build in the actual value add. Uh, sometimes it gets to a point where um, you, you kind of have to ask the client upfront, like, what is your budget, you know? Um, and, and the reason we're asking is because we want to try and work within your budget to try and get your ranking faster. Um, and if they don't have a budget, then we obviously have to reduce our pricing if, okay. you, if you still want to engage with the client. Yeah. And then we test from there as we go along. <laughs> I imagine <coughs> that there's also um, a lot of value for you in um, being able to showcase um, the value that other clients have got have got out of it. So you know, mm. yeah, we can reduce, mm. but if you go with this, yeah. this is the this is the difference in ROI that mm. this amount of For money sure. is going to. Is For going sure. Have you ever had a client where that's been where that's been the case and where you've shown them afterwards? Okay, here's the proof. Yeah, but well, to be honest, we get that quite a lot, and and the reason is, I, I think most people, obviously, in the tough economic climate that we are, they are price sensitive, and we get yeah. that. But also, we try not to compromise the quality of work. But what we do is we always do a phase approach. So we okay. say, okay, look, this is the price we, 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 we're opting for mm -hmm. to get you targeting for all of the keywords that we found mm -hmm. on Google that we want to target you. But if its price is an issue, then let's target far less, um, far, far less keywords for the price that, that, that's, willing, that, that's part of your budget. And let's do a phase approach. So phase one, which is possibly three months, four months, Mm -hmm. Let us show you the value. Let us get you ranking. Let us show you that you're getting enough leads. And after phase one, we sit down, we evaluate the KPIs, and then we say, okay, do you have enough budget now? Because mm -hmm. obviously we showed you the, uh, the, the actual leads. You should be getting sales now. Yeah. <laughs> and then we take it to the next step. <laughs> and, and I think that's <coughs> the interesting thing for me with your company. Um, you're a company that specializes in getting other people's sales. Yeah. <laughs> so how important is it for you to be able to kind of track that for them? and uh, so that you can at the end of the day say it works yeah so th the be the beautiful thing about digital is everything you do online can be tracked right mm. so we have something called conversion rate optimization okay. where we track the user behavior and the propensity of certain users to convert so if a user comes to your website based on one of our marketing activities we could track which page how long what time of day which country which suburb um, and then we could actually track how many people actually filled in the form and obviously that's basically in our world a lead slash conversion yeah. and then the client would have to convert that so the conversation we have with them monthly is to sit with them to say look this is how many leads we sent to your team how many did you actually convert into sales okay and that's how we work it but yeah the other the other big thing that a lot of small businesses face is i don't know you you're yeah. you're, you're small why yeah. would i choose you yeah. over one of the more well-known brands For sure. how do you overcome that one yeah, th that's that's also quite a tough one. So so now it's not so so difficult because obviously you've been in the market for for a long time mm -hmm. and we've got a nice portfolio of clients and we've got quite a lot of accolades to support it. But um, a few years ago it was very challenging, mm -hmm. um, and there we also had to base it on facts. Facts meaning, here are some of the case studies, and we sh we used to send out at least about a, I think it was six case studies, basically talking or speaking to certain issues or pain points to SEO. So one would be. Um, the most the most popular pain point is um, 
I have AdWords campaign. I'm yeah. spending a lot of money in lead generation. If I do SEO, can it reduce? So we have a case study addressing that. Okay. Then we have another case study talking about a corporate client who never had SEO, but they're quite complacent because they're getting X amount mm. of leads. Uh, and when we did uh, our SEO for them, we then obviously increased the amount of leads and we got a case study showing that we've got, we increased the online visibility by 1,200%. So those facts and figures kind of speaks to our credibility. Yeah. Um, also, we have a whole lot of, let me showcase um, our portfolio of corporate clients versus SME clients um, and a whole lot of other accolades that we want and where we've been uh, profiled, etc. And yeah, that okay. basically pulls it in. So tell me about these accolades <coughs> that you've that you've received. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So Come on, you can brag. It's okay. <laughs> cool. So we've been um, voted as one of the best SEO agencies in SA uh, okay. for the second year running. Um, we also was featured on DSTV. Uh, we, we had an interview explained to South Africans about the most cost-effective marketing solution, yeah. um, which is obviously online marketing. Um, yeah, we've been featured on, on Financial Mail, um, uh, NBS, ABC, Fox Television Networks, etc. So it's that. So you've pretty much been around. <laughs> <laughs> For a while, yeah. <laughs> so I want to I want to talk about um, your personal experiences dealing dealing with objections. What's the one that you hate dealing with? Sure. The, uh, I think the biggest one is um, the one where the client is eager to go ahead, but you need buy-in from a whole lot of other stakeholders, and and, and that's that's the norm when it comes mm. to corporates. And when we understand it, it that, that's that's the industry that we're in, right? Um, so so how we overcome that generally is um, we love to. Apart from the pitching cycles, if we're already the chosen agency yeah. and we now want to get all the other stakeholders mm -hmm. involved, we then ask them, can we do a presentation where we put together a presentation in a very layman's terms? And we hold a hand, like, okay, if you want to engage digitally, what devices do you use? Um, a cell phone, a laptop, an iPad, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then we hold a hand and we show them what people do. And we use very simple examples, nothing to do with the industry. Uh, examples such as, if you want to go to a holiday to Cape Town, what would you type in? One would type in uh, accommodation in Western Cape, accommodation okay. in Seapoint, and, and that's how we hold the hand. And when we do that, uh, and also we, we, when, we do, when we basically do that, we get a lot of buy-in because now they feel much more comfortable. They feel like, I'm ready to engage yeah. digitally. What is the next step? And I think once you do that, that's the foot through the door. So essentially <coughs> what you're doing is you're, you're, you're showing them how your world engages with theirs. 100%. And obviously, because because some of them are much more old school, you know, we, we want to make them embrace digital in a mm. much more easier way. And once they feel comfortable, then it, it's, it's a matter of, it's a done deal. It's just a matter of now negotiating on price and Bob's your uncle. So in your world as well, um, you know, it's one of those things where everybody knows that they should be, that they should be, yeah. you know, um, embarking on better digital marketing and all of those great things. But I imagine you sometimes get into that cycle of uncertainty where, you know, it's sort of let's, we meet, we propose, we go back, we do this. And do you ever feel like it's sort of like, um, okay, what's the moment where you need to cut <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> the cycle or just kind of let it go? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. So uh, I'll give you an example. Um, <coughs> uh, we had an, obviously a corporate client. Um, who we engaged and, 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 and we, we pitched, I think it was roughly about four times, we pitched to them. Um, and they obviously did like us, but there was a whole lot of other agencies who were saying mm -hmm. a whole lot of similar stuff to us, yeah. uh, like we always do. Uh, eventually they chose us, and unfortunately the agreement was still not signed. So 
we went in and because they use another specialist agency and got burnt, uh, which we understand, mm -hmm. they obviously wanted to refine the keywords and the amount of keywords we want to target and the KPIs, 100%, spot mm -hmm. on. But that entire process took another three months uh, and another six meetings approximately. <laughs> and when we're ready to engage and get, get moving, um, the, the objection was, was price. And then I thought, look, we obviously do want to deal with this brand because it's quite mm -hmm. a big brand and we want them on our books, obviously. And we've obviously already walked the journey with them. So in doing that, what we proposed was more of a, uh, more of a shared risk model, which we call shared yeah. risk model, right? Uh, and the reason is there is because the risk is on both parties. One mm -hmm. is the risk is on them because th they would feel that, um, look, I, I'm investing, but I don't know if I'm going to get any ROI. Mm -hmm. The risk on us is that we invest in a lot of time, effort, resources, yeah. and it's not really profitable. Yeah. But we're willing to take the risk for a limited time mm -hmm. because we are overly confident that we are going to get the KPIs that we put on the table. And if we do, then the client now is, is, is feels like, I've got the ROI. I'm now ready to invest much more. Yeah. And if they do, then we're going to obviously keep the client for another year or so. And in doing that... And it, it works. Worked. It works because we're <laughs> <be> confident. <laughs> You're right. We could probably talk about this for another 10 days, but awesome. unfortunately, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining me Thank today. Thank you for having me. When we return, I do a little bit of a wrap up and give you some tips on how to close more effectively. Join me for that. Welcome back. Today we've been talking objections and closing and focusing a lot on the objections component. So to close, let's look at a few things to remember when closing. The first tip is to remember to connect the dots for your prospect. Often they're not in your industry and need some help in seeing the direct benefits of buying from you. Be clear, provide timelines and offer alternatives for implementation. Equally as important is to show the consequences of not buying. Cautious buyers need to often be shown the negative consequences of waiting. However, be careful that you don't appear pushy or arrogant. Rather try to ask questions that help you understand their caution and then show them how your product helps them. The second tip is to slow down. We often become overzealous in our excitement to close and deliver and we, as a result, will usually completely accidentally steamroll our clients. We need to make sure that the client is comfortable and that the sale is indeed, as the cliche goes, the beginning of a relationship rather than the end of a sales process. Put yourself in your client's shoes. How would you feel if a salesperson was displaying the same overly enthusiastic behavior? Calm down approach the sale with professionalism. The last tip is going to sound rather counterintuitive, and that is stop trying to close. In the past, a big part of sales courses has always been always be closing, or the so-called ABCs of sales. Nowadays, with huge access to information, clients often want us to give them time to do their research and make an informed decision. The more you try to close, often the harder they'll search for an alternative. Trust that your product is good enough and that it adds real value. Their research will show this. Thanks for joining me for this episode, which I hope will help you on your entrepreneurial sales journey. Join me next time as we continue honing our sales skills. From me, goodbye. <laughs>